On June 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed the Roe v. Wade decision, removing constitutional protection for reproductive rights and leaving laws on such rights to each state. A press conference was held with New Mexico reproductive health and justice organizations and state legislators responding to the Supreme Court's decision. Opinions presented in this program do not represent the position of the Board of Directors of Gallup Public Radio. If you have an organization which wishes to respond, you may email manager at kglp.org. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining. Uh, my name is Mariana, and I am with Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, really appreciate all of the press who are on right now, all of the organizations and legislators who are able to join us today. Um, I'm going to do a, a quick overview of what we're going to do today. Um, we have a few different organizations who are with us today. We have Bold Futures, uh, Teva Women United, Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains, ACLU of New Mexico. Um, I hope I am not um, missing folks, but I will also introduce individually as speakers um, as speakers come up. We also have some legislators who are with us today. They are here in solidarity. They will not be speaking today, but I did want to um, recognize them as well. Um, speaker Brian Egoff uh, will be joining us. Uh, we also have Representative Pamela Herndon and Representative Joanne Ferrari, as well as Representative Angelica Rubio. And they are on today in solidarity. They will not be one of our panelists, but um, also folks feel free, uh, press feel free uh, to send questions as well. Um, you will see in the bottom uh, portion of your Zoom, there is a QA. and uh, After our speakers speak, uh, we will of course be taking question and answer. You can start typing those in now if you have them and we will field those after everyone is done speaking. Uh, so without further ado, I will pass this over to Charlene Bencomo, and she is the Executive Director of Bold Futures New Mexico. Go for it, Charlene. Thank you so much, Mariana, and thanks to all of you who made the time to be here today, um, particularly those of you who are here in solidarity. It's very important to us to know we're not alone in this. Um, today, we're forced to come to terms with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the basis for federal protections that have made legal abortion a reality for my entire lifetime. And while we anticipated this decision, the disappointment, the worry, and the fear amongst people across the country who need access to abortion care is far too real. Today, we face a new future where states like New Mexico, where women and people of color have fought to protect our right to bodily autonomy for decades, will continue to lead the way in providing compassionate abortion care for those who most need it. We know this ruling will exacerbate the already disproportionate effects faced by Black, Indigenous, Latine, and people of color, queer people, and those without sufficient resources and supports to access abortion care. To those who are forced to leave your home state simply to access health care, we see you. For those who are afraid and unsure what this might mean, we are with you and will continue to work to ensure that you have access to honest and accurate information about all of your pregnancy options and access to high quality care. Bold Futures and so many of our partners, community leaders and allied medical providers want those seeking abortion care and those working to protect it to know they are supported. Though the majority of the court veto voted to overturn Roe, the three dissenting judges did so with the quote, sorrow for this court, but more for the many millions of American women who have today lost a fundamental constitutional protection. And we couldn't agree more. There's a lot of work ahead of us and we can only succeed together. So here's what you can do today. Donate directly to abortion funds like West Fund, Mariposa Fund, Indigenous Women Rising, New Mexico Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice and the Frontera Fund. Also, continue having conversations about the complexities of pregnancy decisions with your friends, your families, and those close to you. Silence about abortion only encourages shame and stigma. Even the smallest conversations can help break down misinformation so often associated with needing access to abortion care. Also, support BIPOC and queer-led organizations like Bold Futures and many of our partners so they can continue this work. Help us focus on centering the voices, expertise, and healthcare needs of Black, Indigenous, Latina, and queer women and people of color. It is only through that path that New Mexico has been able to do the long-term work to ensure that abortion rights remain protected. Whatever you do, make sure to care for yourselves and one another during these ridiculously challenging times. 
Despite the Supreme Court failing us at the federal level, here in New Mexico, there are so many people working to ensure that we remain a place where abortion is legal and where our hearts and doors are open to those who need abortion care. Great. Thank you so much, Charlene. Um, for any of the press on, if you don't know, the organizations that are here today were were and are on the front lines of reproductive justice here in New Mexico. So thank you. That was Charlene Bengomel from Bold Futures. And our next speaker is Crystal Curley. Crystal, go for it. I'm here as a mother. I have three daughters. Um, I'm also executive director of a nonprofit called Indigenous Lifeways. And, you know, it's, it's unspeakable. I'm speechless. You know, breaking the news to my daughters was something, you know, waking up to this kind of news is something we don't want to hear for the future generations. And, you know, my eldest, she's 11, and what she, she was just the same way when I told her the news this morning that Roe was overturned. She just jawed to the floor and all the only word she was, was able to say was what? And as I continue to explain what happened, um, you know, I just can't help but think of all other pregnant people right now at this moment that are having to go through this decision and have to wake up figuring out what choices that they have. As for indigenous people, our choices have always been very limited, having to rely on IHS. We don't even have access to abortion at IHS. So for us, it's always been a struggle to even have the basic healthcare needs that as most Americans have access to. But today, is a monumental moment that all, all of us will never forget. This fight that the generations before us have continued that have paved the way for us to have this access has now been stopped. It's been overturned and for, for you know, this moment right now is very pivotal. What our young people are looking at us and, you know, the choices that we're going to have to make right now is going to last generations. We have a voice, we are able to use it. And like so many of our leaders before us have said before is that silence is, is, is the thing that will hurt us the most. It's our voice that's going to get us out of these types of situations. And as an indigenous person running an indigenous women-led organization, we know that indigenous women have always been a threat to this colonial system since day one. And now 500 plus years, women and pregnant people as a whole are now a threat to this colonial system. And it's now that this time is so pivotal that we come together and unite it's, you know, I try and find the right words to say, but it's so hard knowing how many millions of people are having to wake up to this type of news and to figure out what to do next. It's, you know, I, I don't have the right words to say, but I, you know, thoughts and prayers can only go so far. We have to use our voice. We have to put action behind those words and really be there for the future generations because they're watching us right now. And they're the ones that will have to live through this. And, you know, it's, I, I really am, I'm so thankful to be a part of a state that continues to ensure access to safe and legal abortion here in New Mexico. And I just continue, continue to, um, give strength to all of the organizations, front lines that are providing access to abortion in New Mexico. You know, I know a lot of them are overwhelmed. They're at their capacity with, you know, all of the surrounding states around New Mexico that are, um, have really 
just unspeakable type laws against women. You know, we have to be, continue to be that safe haven, that safe state for other pregnant people across across uh, America. So I just, you know, want to have this moment for all Indigenous people from across Turtle Island to unite around this issue and to give a bigger voice to a movement where Indigenous people have never been able to have a platform to speak about these types of issues who've been con consistently left out. And I just, you know, really give thanks to the organizations today, Planned Parenthood, for putting up and bold features for inviting Indigenous Lifeways to be here. And I'm, you know, as you can tell, I'm trying to find the right words to to be in this present moment. But um, yeah, I'm just really thankful for this time. Thank you, Kihat. Thank you so much, Crystal. We really appreciate you being here. Um, next, we have Kayla Herring from Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. Hi, my name is Kayla Herring. I'm the Director of Public Affairs for Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains in New Mexico. Thanks to the work of generations of women of color in our state, many of whom are on this panel today, abortion care is still legal in New Mexico. If you have an appointment to get an abortion, even with today's Supreme Court ruling. Here in New Mexico, you still can. Our work here is not done. Even under Roe v. Wade, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer and trans folks, rural and low-income communities faced barriers to accessing abortion care that meant it didn't matter if it was legal because those barriers put care so far out of reach for so many. Planned Parenthood is committed to being in partnership alongside every other person and organization on this panel today to ensure real access to abortion care for all New Mexico communities. And we are working as quickly as we can to expand access to the full spectrum of reproductive health care, including abortion care across the whole state of New Mexico. As a healthcare provider and advocacy organization, Planned Parenthood will continue to work to ensure that our patients can access an abortion when they want one, and that all New Mexico families are able to live happy, healthy, and safe lives. When our patients leave, they deserve to return to a job that pays a living wage and provides paid sick leave. They shouldn't fear climate change-induced wildfires, being killed by law enforcement or stray bullets. At home, they need access to childcare, safe living conditions, clean air, and water. At Planned Parenthood, we'll be here no matter what, regardless of the Supreme Court's ruling for all New Mexicans who need access to the comprehensive range of reproductive health care, including abortion care. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kayla. Um, and as Kayla said, we have folks who are on the front lines doing doing the work. Um, and so next, I would like to introduce Farinaz Khan, and she's one of our providers here in New Mexico. Uh, Farinaz, go for it. Thank you, Mariana. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me at the press release today. Um, I, like many of you, am so heartbroken by today's decision. Um, those of us that are doing the work, we uh, knew this was coming, but it just hit so different. Um, I woke up this morning to news that all of the clinics in my home state have closed starting today, um, including in three other states as well. Uh, I think the decision today has shown us um, that as women and as people with uteruses that we are second-class citizens in our country, um, undeserving of autonomy over our own bodies. And let me be perfectly clear, our patients are going to be deeply harmed by this decision. Care will be delayed. People will be scared to seek medical care or to seek information about their options. And the maternal morbidity and mortality crisis that is already existing in our country will worsen. And as previously mentioned, women uh, of color and poor women will be the deep, most deeply impacted. Um, I feel grateful to have worked with many of you to ensure that abortion rights are protected here in New Mexico. Um, and I think there is so much more that we will need to continue to do together as we look at the states around us that will 
that have closed today and will close in the very soon future, all of their clinics. And so um, thank you to all of you doing this work with us. And I look forward to continued discussion to ensure we can increase capacity and um, continue to provide care for people, for for the many people that will now need to come to our state uh, as clinics close across our country. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Next, we have Ellie Rushford from ACLU New Mexico. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, My name is Ellie Rushford and I'm the Reproductive Rights Council at the ACLU of New Mexico. I'm going to be very brief um, because nothing I can say, um, I have no answers for you today. What I do have are the brilliant people who have already spoken, who are reproductive health rights and justice advocates and policymakers that have joined us today. We are in this together and abortion access and reproductive health access in general, they're not symptoms of democracy. They are pillars of democracy. Without access to abortion care, to reproductive health care, and the ability to determine the course of our lives, we cannot have a functioning democracy. And so the ACLU is ready. We are prepared to fight. And we are here with you. And we will do everything we can to protect and expand access to reproductive health rights and justice here in New Mexico. We will not back down. And and we are here. Thank you so much, Ellie. Um, And as you all know, we not only have reproductive health and justice organizations on the line, but we also have uh, our elected representatives um, who repealed the outdated abortion ban. And so we'll move to them next. Um, Next, we have Senator Linda Lopez and uh, Senator Lopez carried uh, the abortion ban repeal. Senator. Thank you. And first and foremost, I wanna say thank you to each of you on this call for the work that you have done and continue to do. Um, We do this work together. And I am so grateful uh, for New Mexico where we are at this point, this day, um, with this decision that was issued this morning. Um, New Mexico, of course, along with our neighbor to the north in the state of Colorado, um, we are the island in the middle of the red, in the sea of red. We um, have an opportunity, uh, of course, to work and support our sisters from other states who will be looking for support and services um, when looking for um, access to abortion. And I know that we have many of us across state lines who will be working together. Uh, We are blessed here in the state of New Mexico, grateful to have um, the support of everyone here working together to support and pass with our governor signing Senate Bill 10. And uh, it's, it's, it's a day that hurts for many of us. But I will say too that um, on a recent trip taken to Mexico to visit with our sisters south of the Rio Grande, there is hope. There is change that we can still create within this country of ours to move forward, working with um, our communities that are here, looking to our sisters to the south um, and seeing what um, hope they have provided for their uh, persons in their communities who um, are no longer under the threat of criminalization. Um, Those are things I know that we will be working on here in this country. And even though it's a day of hurt, um, I believe that we as as persons, women, um, have the autonomy of rights over our bodies. And I know and am very hopeful that we will be working together to strengthen Uh, that autonomy that is our right, um, part of the human rights that we have within this country of ours, contrary to what the Supreme Court of the the United States issued in their decision today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Senator. We really appreciate uh, having you here and also you carrying the bill itself. Um, We will move on to uh, our allies in the house. And so today we have with us Leader Javier Martinez. Leader? Take it away. 
Uh, thank you, Mariana, and thank you for um, all of the advocacy that so many of you do um, day in and day out. Uh, today's decision, although not entirely surprising, is, is terribly disappointing, and I am very angry. I'm very angry at the fact that my children will have less rights now than their grandparents have had. Um, it is an inexplicable decision uh, reached not through logical reasoning of, you know, in jurisprudence, uh, but rather through the ballot box. Let's face it, the Supreme Court is there because uh, Senate Republicans stole a Supreme Court seat from President Obama. Um, and then we had um, Donald Trump um, make three appointments. With all of this anger and disappointment, however, there comes a great deal of hope. And I know that today we will mourn and we will mourn again tomorrow. And we will mourn for many, many days and weeks and months to come. But our vote is our voice and our vote is our biggest and most effective weapon against this charade that is this Supreme Court. Remember that we have an election coming up in November. I am proud of the fact that in this recent primary, we defended our pro-reproductive health majority in the House. We successfully defended that pro-abortion majority in the House. Now we move toward the general election. It looks like we lost leader again. Um, I'm not sure if he's back on, so I am gonna to move to Representative Linda Serato, and if leader comes back, we will give him another opportunity to speak. Representative, go for it. Uh, thank you, Mariana. Uh, I'm uh, Representative Linda Serato. I represent the south side of Santa Fe, where a lot of our working families live. Uh, and I'm honored to be on this call with some uh, wonderful people that have been working on this issue for a while. Uh, I found out this morning when I was uh, breastfeeding my four-month-old daughter and getting my five-year-old daughter ready for daycare. Um, and it felt uh, like, uh, it was almost ironic, I guess, just thinking of the Supreme Court justices that signed this um, opinion and uh, and just went back to their coffee and their newspapers and their, their lives that are separate from what working families have to manage every day. And I had to put my sick feeling down so that I could get my daughter out the door to daycare and I could breastfeed and finish fit breastfeeding my daughter at the same time. Um, because that's what we do as, as, as people. Um, that's what we have to navigate. Um, the world looks a lot different than it did 50 years ago. Women are half of the economy. A number of us are, are the breadwinners in our homes. We are navigating climate change threats. We are navigating active shooter drills in our children's schools. We are navigating the loss of body autonomy for our daughters and it is a very difficult time. And the fact that this outdated body brings forward these decisions, um, it, it really just rang true in that moment. But this is why New Mexico will remain a bastion of hope for folks, um, for that body autonomy, for the respect of what people do. Because I, I gave birth five days after this past session, um, and it was you know, a hard, difficult thing to navigate, but I was able to navigate it with supportive fellow parents in the house, women, you know, men, folks that just supported having working families in places making these decisions that are gonna affect so many people. Um, so today we are committed to protecting the rights that we have enshrined here and making sure that there is no rollbacks. There's no room for questioning and, and, and threatening the rights of young women or women crossing lines or pregnant people crossing lines. There's no room for that. We have to remain a safe space. And that I know myself and the majority Democrats that I work with um, and the women that I've been speaking with all day are committed to as well. So thank you for bringing everyone together today, at least in our state. Great, thank you, Representative. That's a really great reminders. Um, leader, I will give you another opportunity uh, to just finish uh, finish your comments if you are still available and on the line. I, I couldn't have said it better than Representative Serrato. Abortion remains legal in New Mexico and uh, the power that we now have is to use that vote and use that vote accordingly in November to make sure that we continue to protect New Mexico's pro-abortion majority in the House 
Um, and then beyond that, remember, we've got congressional elections, and then in two years, we've got a presidential election. Uh, this is not a time to sit by the sidelines. This is not the time to 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 fall for the trap uh, of not voting or, or, or not voting for the Democrat. Uh, elections have consequences, and I'm terribly upset and disgusted that uh, that the Supreme Court has done what they've done. Um, and this is the beginning. Uh, this is not going to stop with this. Um, so thank you all. I appreciate you all. I love you all. Um, in me, you will and always will have not only an ally, but somebody who's going to be in the trenches with you for every step of the way. Thank you, leader. We really appreciate that. Um, so we are now going to move to the question and answer portion um, of this. Um, one of the things I do want to let the press know is for those of you who are SVP'd on here, you will also be, be receiving a media toolkit. There is a lot of misinformation and a lot of um, really politicized terms when it comes to abortion access here, um, here and across the world. And so you will be receiving a media toolkit um, on medically accurate ways to talk about abortion. So we really hope that that's helpful for you as well. Um, and so our first question is, um, in which New Mexico cities can women obtain surgical abortions? And I just want to let folks know we do call them surgical abortions and folks um, who are not women, but across the spectrum of gender also receive abortion care. And so um, as we go through this, we will also just be trying to put this uh, information out there for the press as well. Um, so I will open it up to the panel. I also want to remind folks, we do have representatives here. We have Speaker Brian Egoff, we have providers, um, and we have um, folks who are with uh, reproductive health and justice groups to answer these questions. I'm gonna pass it to Charlene. Charlene, is this something you might be able to feel? Sure, thank you. I was like, do I do I unmute? I, I don't know, know. here we go. <laughs> it's been a day. Um, yes, yeah, so currently Bernalillo County is the only place in New Mexico offering surgical abortion care. We are certainly working uh, in Doniana County and other places across the state to, to change that because obviously the need um, is only going to grow as other places lose access to care. I do think that's an important note. Um, a lot of folks that we talk to nationally are so grateful for New Mexico and states like Colorado who have done this work to preserve access. What they don't realize is that our state is very rural and has lacked actual access for many, many years. So working to improve not only the access that we have to abortion care, but to a full spectrum of reproductive health care that includes all sorts of services that people need across their lifetimes. Thank you so much, Charlene. Um, the next question is, with an expected increase in patients from out of state, what are clinics capacities in New Mexico and how will wait times change? How will delay of care impact people? And I'm gonna open it up to uh, both Kayla and Farinas. Planned Parenthood since uh, Senate Bill 8 passed in Texas almost a year ago has seen um, almost 1,700 patients from Texas accessing abortion care in New Mexico. That is a huge increase in the number previous to that, um, which was around 400 um, prior to Senate Bill 8. What we know is we are watching a um, public health emergency in the making. Reproductive health centers stayed open in COVID because our governor recognized the critical care that reproductive health centers provide, not only abortion care, but pregnancy tests, STI tests, birth control visits. Um, when abortion sites, when abortion health centers begin to be at capacity for the care they're able to provide, we're also going to see stress on our healthcare system of people who are not able to go into a Planned Parenthood or another reproductive health center to access um, STI testing and treatment and prevention, birth control and pregnancy exams. So we are going to see a huge strain across the healthcare system in New Mexico, which we've already seen from COVID and in general, a huge um, healthcare provider shortage in the state. So that's what we're looking at. We are working as fast as we can at Planned Parenthood to expand capacity for abortion care across our state. And as soon as we're able to share more, we will. Thank you. Um, Farinas, would you like to um, add on to that? 
I'll just add that um, exactly like Kayla was saying that an influx of patients from out of state will add the wait time our residents here as well and moving capacity, opening, increasing us, um, being medication abortion access, that of abortion are middle, um, improving access and capacity is going to be very important for our residents here in New Mexico and the influx that you see and um, see. Thank you so much. And the next question is definitely tied to this. Um, do, you know, do New Mexico abortion providers have the capacity to handle greater demand from other states? How many abortion providers exist in New Mexico, um, specifically in Southern New Mexico? Um, I see Ellie's hand up. Ellie, do you wanna take that question? Sure, and I, um, you know, I will defer to the many other experts on this call as well. Um, I wanna invite us to draw our gaze back a little bit. So today, um, patients in, in states all across the country are having their abortion appointments canceled, many of whom were in the clinic today hoping to get care. And so no matter how many abortion providers, no matter how many healthcare facilities there are in New Mexico, in California, in Illinois, in, you know, in, the, in the states that have protected our rights, the demand will never be met because people who do not have the resources, young people, people of color, black, indigenous, and many, many others will not be able to leave their states to get the care that they need. And so when we're talking about an influx of patients to New Mexico, those are the people that can afford to leave. Those are the people that can take time off of work, that can get childcare. Most people who access abortion care are already parents. Those are the people that have support systems that can come to our state. Obviously, this, just like Kayla said, this is a public health crisis in the making, and it has been in the making for years. And so when we, when we get questions about capacity and wait times and, um, and whether or not we have enough providers, enough clinics, the answer is no. We, we simply never will because we are making assumptions about who is able to come and the care that is already available. So we are a rural state, we are a state that does not have adequate access to healthcare in general. And so when we are talking about building out our infrastructure, when we are talking about expanding our capacity, our existing abortion providers have been doing this for a long time. Since SBA, and the pandemic, we have seen an influx of patients and it's only going to increase. And so we need deep investments in just as we always have in our healthcare infrastructure here in New Mexico. And so as we expand access to care, particularly in the Southern part of the state, I'm gonna defer to um, the, the our partners from Planned Parenthood and, and particularly Bold Futures um, who have been doing deep work um, in my hometown in Las Cruces to expand care for New Mexicans and our neighbors and community members. And so I just, I wanna invite us all to put ourselves in the shoes of a patient today and a provider today. They have shown up for years, for decades, for their patients. And no matter what our infrastructure look like, looks like, there will always be need for care. Thank you so much for that um, larger context, which I think is really important as we're addressing these questions. We may not answer them directly, but hopefully be able to pull back and give you all the, the larger picture. Um, Charlene, was there anything else that you wanted to add to that from Southern New Mexico specifically? Representative uh, Rubio, Representative Ferrari as well, um, y'all are, are down south. 
Thank you, Ellie, so much for that. I was feeling that way and um, you articulated it beautifully. When we start thinking about numbers and statistics, we lose the humanity of this. That's what this is about. This is about compassionate care and this is about taking care of each other and respecting one another and being trusted to know what we need for ourselves and our families. Um, as I mentioned before, we have lacked access to basic reproductive health care in southern New Mexico for decades. I was born and raised here and I am one of those people who has a difficult time just getting basic care. So um, to answer the question, will there be enough? How many are there? As we mentioned, procedural care is only available right now in Albuquerque. We are certainly working to change that. Um, some of the work that Bold Futures has done over the last several months with our partners at Strong Families New Mexico, the University of New Mexico and Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains is work to not only establish a clinic that truly addresses the needs of the community, but to say that we need more than abortion care. We need abortion care that is thoughtful, that is long-term, that is not opportunistic, that is not coming in to extract from something that New Mexico has protected with such care and such dignity. We need people to understand that this is our, this is our lives. This is our long-term need for basic health care. So it goes far beyond um, what we need in terms of procedural abortion access and availability, it speaks to what we need in general as, as people who live in other parts of the state. Thank you, Charlene. Um, what I'm going to do is I will be bundling some of the questions that are a little bit uh, repetitive and um, skipping to some to make sure we get to other topics as well. Um, in the question portion, we have... Um, a couple of questions about whether or not we expand, um, whether or not we codify Roe here. And I, I do want to give this question also back to, um, to the uh, uh, reproductive health and justice organizations as well, um, because of the fact that our representatives and our senators do a really phenomenal job of looking to the people who work with the people to take a lead on this. And so um, I will also open it up to representative senators after, but I do want our folks um, to just sort of lead with this, uh, the answer for this question, and then I'll turn it over to the senators and reps. Either Charlene, uh, Charlene or Ellie, would you also like to field this question as well? That would be really great. Yeah. We need our boss, Mariana, to, to tell us when to speak. Um, so I think your question, um, more broad, specifically um, has to, the questions that we're hearing from, from some folks, should we codify Roe? Um, and again, I'm gonna invite us to pull back um, because Roe is never enough. And in New Mexico, we have a, a long tradition of respecting reproductive freedom, including the right to abortion care. And we have a strong basis for constitutional protection already in our state constitution and in case law. And, we have to do everything in our power to protect and expand access, real access to reproductive health and rights, including the right to abortion. So our job right now is to ensure that any proposed legislation is done intentionally and thoughtfully to protect the fundamental rights of New Mexicans. And so that can look like a lot of different things. And we are so grateful for the partnership and allyship of policymakers who are committed to thoughtfully and intentionally protecting our fundamental rights here in New Mexico. Um, I do wanna turn it over. We have uh, leader Martinez, speaker, um, Senator Linda Lopez. Would you all um, like to comment on that as well? I will just uh, kind of echo of what Ellie mentioned is that I think we need to do, you know, take a step back um, work with our partners um, here in the state and do thoughtful legislation if it's needed at this point in time. Um, I know that we're still talking and I believe that we will do this together if it's needed uh, for our session in January. Thank you. Speaker? Speaker, you seem to be on mute even though it says you're not there on mute. There we go. I, yeah, it, I always like seeing all of you. Uh, I just wish it wasn't under these circumstances. I I'll echo what Mariana has said. I think there needs to be a lot of thought and Ellie also, you know, there needs to be a lot of thought about whether it's needed and what might be the unintended consequences. For a long time, we have 
successfully explain to the people of New Mexico and to legislators that abortion is healthcare and that it should be treated like any other medical procedure. And I think there needs to be thought given to whether or not we want to separate out uh, reproductive healthcare, uh, single it out as a part from other uh, forms of healthcare. Uh, and that's certainly a big issue that we need to think about. The other consideration is, and you're hearing this from uh, lots of folks uh, all over the country, is that access to abortion, uh, access to reproductive health care more broadly, access to contraception, and, and uh, women's rights writ large are on the ballot this fall. And we're already seeing today Republican candidates for the state house making the pitch on social media to elect Republicans that we can ban abortion in New Mexico. Uh, it is all on the ballot. Uh, Governor or the gubernatorial candidate, Mark Ronchetti, has said he will sign an abortion ban uh, if he is elected. So this is critically important. We don't want to see New Mexico backtracking. We don't want to see New Mexico considering legislation that would criminalize uh, departing our state for the purpose of seeking an abortion elsewhere. Uh, there's a lot of uh, very dire things that we're hearing from national Republicans and uh, a vote for a uh, Republican this fall is a vote to roll back rights and to put uh, women's health care at risk uh, for the next generation. Thank you, Speaker. Really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to roll a couple of the, these questions together that are a little bit similar. Um, folks are asking about the LGBTQ community and the impact of the Scottish ruling specifically on queer folks across our state and across the nation. Um, so it, this is a bit too pronged and I'll open it up um, to folks to answer, but how does the Scottish ruling affect specifically trans and non-binary folks who can get pregnant? Um, and the second prong of this is, um, I will actually read this one that says, Justice Thomas said in his concurring opinion that previous rulings that allow for contraception access and LGBTQ plus rights should be reconsidered. How will this impact the LGBTQ community locally and nationally? Um, and I will open it up to anyone who would like to come off mute. I know a lot of our folks, um, specifically in our repro groups, um, do a lot of work with queer communities. So I'll open it up to all of y'all. I would love to uh, start off and say that this is something that we have been talking about as an organization for quite some time. Again, this is the overturning of Roe is not just about abortion. There are so many things finally tied to that decision that are now um, in danger. And I am not the best person from our organization to speak on this. I would love to have Kat Sanchez, who's also on the call and not on camera because she didn't know she's going to be called on. Um, but Kat, if you could come off mute, it would be amazing. Thank you so much, Charlene. Um, my name is Kat Sanchez. I'm co-director of Policy for Bold Futures and also located in Southern New Mexico alongside our executive director. Um, in oral arguments, Justice Sotomayor brought that issue forward and in the dissent that was also brought up again. As a queer woman of color, I can see the path of overturning the right to intimacy between consenting adults uh, from Lawrence v. Texas and the right to marriage in Obergefell. That remains to be seen if that will be challenged and possibly overturned. But as we've seen from Texas and their anti-transgender -trans youth policy, it would not be surprising to see a challenge uh, going forward. Most importantly, though, this shows that these justice issues for different communities are not siloed um, and they intersect. And that is one of the core principles of the reproductive justice movement is centering those most impacted and in a way that is intersecting of all of our identities. Thank you, Kat, for coming off of mute for us. Um, there are a couple of questions in the Q&A about uh, indigenous communities. And so um, folks are asking, how are New Mexico tribes weighing in on the issue, as well as um, how is misinformation impacting tribes and native folks? And so I, I wish we had our elders on here as well. Um, they are uh, in attendance. I would be happy to move you off and put you on as a panelist as well, if you would like to text me. Um, but we also have Crystal Curley on here as well. Crystal? Yeah, thank you. Um, for those 
you know, really incredible questions about indigenous um, communities. I think one of the biggest um, misinformation that our indigenous families have to endure is once they have a situation of abortion or having to come across that choice is that if they go to IHS, that's the only way that they are informed that they don't have access to abortion at IHS. It's only when you have to live through that experience where you are educated about that the lack of access. And I think that's the biggest um, barrier that all indigenous people in the US have to go through is having access. And I think for, you know, I just wanna speak for my tribe, I'm Danam Navajo. And I think one of the biggest battles that we have to go through with, with our own tribal government is educating them that this is, um, part of our way of life as an indigenous people is abortion and reproductive health care has always been a part of our way of life since millennia. We have a whole, a not very well thought out reproductive traditional healthcare system that is highly reliant on our oral histories, our oral stories, our ceremonies, our medicinal herbs. You know, there's so much aftercare that goes through um, any type of reproductive choice a family um, has to endure. Traditionally, you know, there's always an herb or a ceremony for any type of choice that family has. And so I think the big, the second biggest battle that indigenous people have to go through is the stigma of, um, and the stereotype of indigenous people thinking that, that all life is sacred and that abortion isn't a part of indigenous people's lives. And I think that's where, um, religion has come into play with boarding schools. Um, we have, you know, been a target of assimilation. Um, we have continuously been a target um, for assimilation, for identity alterations because of the uh, Catholic uh, boarding schools that we had to go to that had pretty much taken away our culture, our whole identity as a people. And I think that's the biggest um, barrier we have to go through is re-educating our tribal communities and our indigenous families about how this abortion healthcare, reproductive healthcare is traditional and, and has always been a part of our way of life. That type of education has been taken away from us. So I think this is, you know, a perfect again, opportunity of rematriating our education, our traditional education of the stolen land that we're on has been um, alterated into a way that indigenous people have been disconnected to our traditional ways of life. And as um, organization, indigenous lifeways, it's our obligation to ensure that our communities and our families are equipped with the correct information that has been passed down from our elders for millennia. And, you know, that's our obligation at our organization as Indigenous Lifeways is always being a resource for education, the real truth of this land and of our people. And I think this is, um, again, another platform for all people and even including indigenous people to learn the true history of what we've been going through for the past 500 years. Um, this is, you know, just a, again, just a really great opportunity to really educate just not just indigenous people, but all people of the real rights and the real healthcare system that we do have and the real lacks in, and gaps in this whole system. Thank you, Crystal. We also have um, Elder Noreen Kelly and um, Noreen, go for it. Thank you for allowing me to speak. And um, I don't know, I was so angry. I woke up this morning uh, ready to do my class. And here it comes, a special report 
And it was really saddening and angry and angered me to see the judges take our life in their hands as if it was nothing and make these decisions for us. I understand that they're, they're okay with having the men tell us what to do or telling them, the men telling them what to do and they're okay with it. But in the native community, women were the decision makers in our household. Men went out to work, provide for the family and it was equal. No one had more power than the other. But for them to just wipe it off the slate and think that they should make those decisions for us. And especially Ron Ketty saying, okay, I'm gonna draw this line. I said, have you ever spoken to a native here in New Mexico to see if they agree with you for saying that the, there's a divide, there's no divide, and neither are any one of them have access to our body autonomy. Our decisions are own, they're made with care. And there's reasonings and holiness behind the decisions that women make. So it, it really angers me and it saddens me that someone still thinks that they can make decisions for women. And I appreciate all the men that are supporting us, but they didn't have that right to speak on our behalf because it was the judges that made their sole decisions to go with it. That's sad. And democracy, a country, of freedom, that's not afforded to everybody. It's the people that have the money to make these decisions, turn around and say, yeah, I make those decisions. You have, you don't matter. I am angry. But I'm really proud of our leaders in Santa Fe to be able to listen to us and make that decisions with us to stand along, alongside us to make these decisions for women and the future of women in New Mexico. Thank you. I really appreciate you being on. I am going to conclude um, this uh, press conference. Thank you all for joining us today.